seen as a Siamese twin of fly fishing, but Terry Mort helps you make your own decision and lets you develop your own ethic on catch and release and other aspects of the sport that introductory texts often omit. Yet he doesn't preach. Again, you'll be encouraged to make up your own mind. Above all, Terry's goal is to make sure each reader gets what he or she wants out of fly fishing. One of the acid tests of an introductory book about a skill that requires hand-eye coordination is that the text allow the reader to learn a skill independent of the illustrations, the graphics being just a reinforcement of the text. Flycasting is very difficult to teach in person, and even more so in print, yet this book contains the best, the most interesting, and the most effective introduction to flycasting I have ever read. And when I wrote this forward, I had not yet seen the illustrations, just the manuscript. I think Terry puts the emphasis in the right places, but perhaps that's my own bias. I have seen many would-be fly fishers intimidated by mayflies, before they'd even seen one, reasoning by what they had read that unless they could follow a binomial key in Usinger's Aquatic Insects of California, they would not be able to convince a cold-blooded critter with a brain the size of a pea to strike a fake fly. Terry puts us on the right track. He doesn't neglect entomology, but he devotes twice as many words to trout behavior, a far more interesting and useful pastime if you must introduce a scientific bent into your fishing. If we were more interested in bugs than fish, we'd be running around with butterfly nets and jars of formaldehyde. If this is your first fly fishing book, you are very fortunate. You're starting off on the right track. If you've read others before, I think you'll agree with me that you wish that this had been your first. Tom Rosenbauer, Manchester, Vermont Preface There are many beautifully written informative books on fishing, particularly fly fishing. Some are even minor works of art. No other sport has generated so much literary effort. Angling literature consists of reminiscences, technical information, how-to and where-to manuals, travel stories, natural history and biology, entomology, river and stream descriptions, and assorted other musings. Angling references also bob up frequently in poetry and fiction. Shakespeare, John Donne, W.B. Yeats, Ernest Hemingway, to name just four, used angling as both metaphor and context. Opinion among the scribbling class is not unanimously positive. I think it was Samuel Johnson who described angling as a fish at one end of a line and a fool at the other. But Dr. Johnson was rarely mistaken for an outdoorsman, and we may safely dismiss his witticism as the product of ignorance, a joke for joking's sake. Something about fly fishing seems to stimulate the literary glands. Why is this? Partly it has to do with the setting, sometimes awesomely beautiful, sometimes calm and peaceful, sometimes wild in a way intimidating. The environment of game fish, particularly of trout, is invariably interesting and attractive. People who like to talk, talk about it. People who like to paint, paint it. People who like to write, write about it. These urges are a force of nature. You might as well try to plug Niagara or keep a fat boy from dessert. It's as though the fly attracts both the trout and the angler who casts it. The one rises to what seems to be food, the other to what seems to be truth, or at least meaning. 
and having perceived a glimmer of meaning, people try to get it down on paper. Then there's the mystery of it all. Why do these creatures, especially trout, do what they do? Despite our understanding of their biology and their basic behavior, they still baffle us now and then, and this enjoyable frustration gives rise to literary pondering. If there were world enough and time, this coyness, Salmo, were no crime. Then, too, there are the pleasant memories that angling creates. If we can believe Wordsworth when he says that poetry is strong emotion recollected in tranquility, then something like poetry resides in the hearts of all anglers, who spend many a winter's afternoon thinking back on a summer's day when the fish were rising and the weather was cooperating, and God was indeed in his heaven, and all was right with the world for once. People who have a literary bent naturally.